What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 38 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, March 15th, 2017. You could have listened to any other podcast. God knows there's like 7 billion out there. There's like uh, 4 million true crime podcasts, but you chose this one. Why? We don't know, but we're glad you're here. Say hi, Mike. Hey. Okay, your job is done. You can go home now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) How's it going there, old Mikey boy? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, saw Kong Skull Island last night. It was a lot of fun. It was really entertaining. It was a throwback to the old school action adventure creature features that didn't take themselves too seriously. And it was really refreshing to see that in the theater. So if you like that type of film, I definitely recommend Kong. I heard it did really good at the box office. Yeah, it did pretty well. That's good. It's good that uh, a movie besides a Pixar or a remake can do good at the box office nowadays. Well, shit, King Kong has got a remake. Well, it's not really a remake. It's a prequel. It's its own thing. So it's not really a remake. It just has Kong in the film. But they use Kong in a way that you have not really seen. Because he stays. He's the protector of Skull Island. So that's the whole thing. It's his turf. And... I love that about the film. It's not the same, oh, he's a misunderstood ape, and he's in love with this girl, and she's like his wife, and then then New York, and then, oh, beauty killed the beast, or whatever. Just yeah, That's cool. Um, I uh, got tattooed recently. Most of you who are listening to this have seen that tattoo already. Uh, Finally got Mr. Robert Stack completed. Well, he's not totally completed. His tie has to be colored in, but... Um, yeah, I now have Robert Stack on my arm with hair. He doesn't look like a seasonal migrant worker anymore. He actually w- looks like uh, how he's supposed to look. He doesn't look like Mr. Clean. Yeah, or something. Um, yeah, I got uh, a Sunday I went in and got an eight-hour session of abuse. Um, anyone out there who's <laughs> tattooed at all uh, knows that eight hours of getting... And I'll tell you something, man. If you get a, ever, Anyone who's listening, if you ever get a portrait tattoo... Know that you're in for a lot of pain, a world of pain, because what what they do is they focus like hours on the face, just getting, especially if an elderly person like Robert Stack is on my arm, they got to get all the wrinkles, all the everything in that one little maybe size of like two 50 cent pieces kind of area so needles just constantly going in that area for hours at first. Because it's on the outside of my arms. Yeah. Just for anyone who doesn't know, the outside of your arm doesn't generally hurt to get tattooed. It's not bad at all. Um, but when they're going over and over and over in the same exact area, it's like it starts to become pretty hellacious. So I did that on Sunday. And then the next day, he had someone cancel. So I was like, well, shoot, I better jump on this opportunity and get the inside of my arm done. Because I want to get a full sleeve on my left arm. Um, so I took the opportunity to get more work done. So that was another five hours, but this time it was on the inside of my arm and it's a space themed sleeve. It's like outer space. So I got like this black hole thing going on on the inside of my arm and it's sucking in all this light and stuff. And it looks really cool. Holy shit. The inside of your arm sucks. I'm telling you right now, 
People say when you get tattooed, oh, your endorphins kick in after a while and you don't really feel as much. Not true with the inside of your arm. It sucks the whole time. It feels like a dull razor blade is trying to tear through your skin. Five hours of that, dude. It was it was really... <laughs> my arm is so sore today, even still after a few days. Uh, it is so sore I can barely use it. Like I feel like a handicapped right now like with just one arm being able to be used. So. You're, a, you're a real trooper. Well, you know, it's going to be so worth it when it all heals and all. It's going to be, I mean, it, yeah. all, it already looks really great, although it's starting to scab up pretty bad. But uh, it's going to be worth it in the end. It's something I've, all, I've always wanted, a, like, sleeves, like, two sleeves. Um, I uh-huh. want to get my right arm done eventually. But, man, that shit's expensive, too, man. Like, just what little bit I've gotten done. Well, it's actually. What are you gonna do? Like the right arm, which is the logo, (laughs) Softest Trees logo. (laughs) No, the right arm's gonna be more nostalgia themed stuff. So it's gonna be a lot of like video game characters. It's it's not it's not gonna be one full piece like my left arm. What was just like outer space Uh, with Robert Stack. My right arm's gonna be more disjointed. It's gonna be a bunch of random things that are connected together. Yeah, Mega Man. Mega Man. I was thinking maybe Ryu from Street Fighter. uh, You know, stuff like that. Um, Maybe some other nostalgic kind of stuff in there. But that'd be pretty cool if you had Ryu doing the Hirokin yeah yeah you know, on the either that the or arm. doing the dragon punch or something yeah even though Ken was the one who more the dragon punch was more his thing but whatever um yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was painful and it was expensive uh but it's all it's all good um mm. week uh, going into week number two living in in the new house is is going good still getting more crap in here from my my parents house or whatever um it's just a busyness thing, man. It really, it's really getting on my nerves. Like every single fucking day, I have something I have to do, <laughs> and then something after that, and something after that. And it's like the only free time I have now is like a few hours at night. And it's like yeah. here, here I am, a single guy, no kids, no wife, no girlfriend, and yet I still have like no time. How did this fucking happen? <laughs> this is not how it was supposed to work. Well, I mean, if you get up earlier, maybe you have more time, right? Yeah, you can do it that way. It's it's kind of a trade off. Do I want more free time in in earlier in the day or late at night? And with my DJing job during the week, it's like I am not going to go to bed early after I get get out of my gig. So sometimes I don't get home until like two o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to go straight to bed as soon as I get home. I'm going to stay up for a few hours. And then yeah, the, I know. Then the days I don't have to work. Well, I'm not going to like change my schedule around just for those two days I have off and start going to bed yeah. at 8, 8 p.m., you know, so. Well, I'm not saying go to bed earlier. I'm saying get up a little bit earlier. Oh, I need my beauty rest. <laughs> for this for this whole thing here, as I'm gesturing to my, my body and face, for this, all this, I, this, this needs about eight, eight hours of sleep. <laughs> I have to have it. But uh, anyway, if no, you... I shouldn't be talking either anyway, because I'm not getting up earlier anyway. I want to, but my I've been so used to getting up whenever that my body is just like, fuck it, I don't care. And then it's just honestly kind of frustrating because I'm like, damn it, I really should be getting up earlier. This is getting a bit nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, that's how I've always been. Even even in junior high, like on summer vacations and stuff like that, summer break or summer holiday, whatever the hell you non-americans out there call it um i would i've i would find myself like naturally going to bed at like 3 4 a.m that just seemed like the time where i was like okay because staying up anytime past that for me seemed like a little too extreme but going to bed before that time just seemed a little too early so that's always well i guess it seems like you and i are night owls so yeah that's just a natural thing i mean i just don't 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm on the computer a lot, too, so that doesn't help because apparently that keeps you awake. And speaking of keeping people awake, uh, yeah, season three is on Amazon Prime, but out, finally they have put episode two, the missing episode from season three, is on Amazon Prime now. Oh, they just like uh, skipped, so, they just omitted an episode? Yeah, they forgot. Remember, it said like episode one, then episode three. I'm like, where the hell is episode two? I'm still working <laughs> and on that, season two. And that. I'm still working on season one, so, I, you know, I just try to savor it, that type of deal. Um, so that way, I always have a, a, some, you know, UM to watch. Um, I just don't have a whole lot of time to, like, just sit down and watch chunks and chunks. Of, you know, I just don't have the time to do it. I mean, I would yeah. probably do it. but And then also, too, I had the VHS rips before the... This um, came out, so it's like I've already seen a lot of those segments. Some I haven't. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, well, be... I like watching them again anyway because the quality is just so much. It's like watching it in a brand new light to me. Yeah. Because the quality is just so much better. True that. So if you'd like to see my Robert Stack tattoo, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We also have a very lively poppin' uh, jazzy group going on called uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries uh, podcast or whatever. You can search that group on Facebook. It's people joining it like every hour. There's people asking to join the group. It's a closed group, so it's more a sense of a privacy in there. But uh, yeah, that, that group's that group seems to be really where all the interactions uh, come Join in on the fun. We, we, we could always use more people in the group. Yeah, I love I love how people will just have just kind of taken it and ran with it and like kind of turned it into their own little thing. Like, I feel like it's not even like I feel like it has nothing to do with us anymore. It's just, you know, people just doing their thing in there. And that's that's great. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, thank you, uh, Thomas Hatfield, for uh, being a moderator and uh, doing all the stuff that you do in there. And uh, it's appreciated. So, yeah, you should yep. go and join that group. It's uh, it's very lively. And yeah, the, it's like I, the Facebook pages, these fan pages and not just for our stuff, but for anything. They're so lame how they're set up. Like you, you go and you post something on a page you like and it just shoves your comment off to the side and no one even yep. sees it it's so stupid yep. like there's no interactivity or anything doing it that way uh, yeah. you know, so it's like i get more interactivity from my subscribers on youtube than i do on my technically youtube facebook page yeah so um, oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah so that was that was definitely a good idea um also, we're on Patreon. If you'd like to support us on there, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, we think we're about to revamp some of the uh, the benefits and all that and kind of like spice things up a little bit. Um, not not due to lack of participation or anything like that, but we feel like we can give people a little bit better value for the tiers, so uh, be looking out for that. Uh, we're Definitely the, the upper tier is going to be, we're going to add a, uh, like a, a live chat or whatever. So if you want to see me and Mike's mugs uh, on screen right in front of you, don't know why you would want that, but if you do want that, um, you get that's. I think that's going to be the uh, the upper tier, the twenty dollar tier, or whatever. So the people who are already up there, you know, you're good to go. We're gonna we're gonna schedule that soon. We're gonna go and change everything around, and uh, the bonus segments will be uh, like I think on the, a lower tier, so you don't have to necessarily be on the higher end to get the bonus segments and stuff. Maybe that we we'll do about. live streams in the future of you know episodes or something like that yeah that would be fun. that would be fun there's a lot of cool stuff we could do um 
as long as you people keep hanging around. So it's always good to call your crowd you people. That's not offensive in any way. <laughs> you people. Uh, so let's dive right into... What do into, you mean, you <laughs> yeah. people? Let's dive right into these segments here. Uh, so we, we, I don't have a whole lot of time personally, unfortunately. Um, and we haven't even talked about the order that we're going to do these in, so this is kind of like a lotto right now. So what are you feeling, Mike? First segment uh, we're going to talk let about. Let me think. Uh, I'm Drum spinning roll. the wheel right now. <laughs> How about Kathy Hobbs? All right, Kathy Hobbs. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so Catherine Hobbs is a case from season one, and it's one that I picked because I thought it was an interesting blend of missing persons and murder. Catherine Hobbs is a young girl who has premonitions that she will not live to see her 16th birthday. On the evening of July 23, 1987, 16-year-old Kathy Hobbs is reading a romance novel in, a, in her bedroom of her home in a Las Vegas suburb. At 11 p.m., she told her mother, Vivian Hobbs, that she was going to the local supermarket, as is her mother quoted here. She came out to me and said, Mom, I'm going back down to the store to buy a book. Give me a kiss before I go. And I said, why? I'll be up when you get back. And she said, well, I'll probably stop and talk to the kids, so you might be in bed when I get back. So I gave her a kiss, and that was the last time I saw her. Kathy often walked a block and a half to the store late at night. Usually her friends hung out at the apartment swimming pool, so Kathy's mother wasn't worried. Assuming that Kathy would be with her friends, Vivian went to sleep. Then at 3 a.m., she says a strange dream woke her up. I woke up out of a sound sleep. I felt like I had been hit on the head, and all of a sudden, I got a very peaceful feeling, and I thought, well, it's over now, and I fell back to sleep. That's the kind of typical sort of thing you hear from uh, people who have experienced things like well, a loss of life in their family. So when a loved one is passed on, they have this, sometimes there's also apparitions that are associated with it as well, but it's like they get this feeling like, Oh, this is something's not right. And then, okay, it's all right. Uh, the next morning, Vivian discovered that Kathy's bedroom was empty. The Las Vegas Metro Police homicide detective, I mean, Lieutenant Kyle L. Edwards, investigated the case. And he's quoted here. He says, within the first day, we had tracked down friends, relatives, and had done a very extensive media campaign on the television with Catherine's picture. At the end of the second day, we were convinced that Catherine had probably been abducted. Kathy's family had been terribly worried about her. As a child, she had frightening premonitions, several of them that said that she would die at an early age. When she was eight, she became even more specific, telling her friends that she would not live past the age of 16. Vivian did what she could to help her daughter. I mean, can you imagine that? Just having these, I mean, having nightmares is bad enough, but consistently having these nightmares about you dying at an early age. Yeah, I think it's kind of bullshit um, as far as like her her having anxiety about that. I, I've known a lot of girls, uh, specifically girls for some reason. I don't know what, what's up with that. But I've known a lot of my friends who are female who all who have these kind of premonitions. Uh, my friend. Um, well, I didn't know that. So, <laughs> yeah, my my ex-girlfriend, she's convinced that she's going to die before the age of 30. And, and, you know, all that stuff's kind of silly. I mean, with the actually Never mind. I won't get into my ex's business, but with her lifestyle, <laughs> she, she may not actually live to be thirty. But well, I mean, for example, I mean, John Belushi said he'll never live past thirty, and he didn't. And that's because he was just a—he knew how much of a hard partying and drug, you know, drug guy he was. How much of a druggie he was. 
I, I mean, I, I, dude, there's a point where I had really bad death anxiety. Like I was afraid of dying or, and I thought about it a lot and I obsessed over it. And it's just one of many like stresses or, or mental conditions that can affect people. I mean, death anxiety is a real thing and it, and it's, and it can be irrational. You can be a totally healthy, totally normal person and have this overwhelming death anxiety it's it's all kind of a just a bad mental uh, thought processes that if you feed into it too much it'll become an obsession and sounds like that's what happened with her um you but know the thing is i mean what makes it creepy to me is that it didn't necessarily happen exactly the way that she thought it was going to but it did happen so i mean that is that's pretty eerie But it's probably just a coincidence, but at the same time, it's still pretty eerie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally eerie. You know, it's it's like it's it's the same thing as like, you know, it's just one of those big coincidences. You know, it's like the guy who's always like walking around saying like, I'm, I'm going to lose a leg one of these days, one of these days. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's crazy. That'll never happen. And if there's like a thousand people in the United States saying that, there's going to be at least one of them that's going to yeah. lose a leg eventually. And it's going to be like, wow, he knew. And it's like, no, there's a bunch of people. Like, even yeah. even to this day, I guarantee you, there's millions of people going, I'm not going to live to such and such age. And then they fucking do, and life goes yeah. on, and, you so, know, yeah. no big yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, like, it's not like a hot tub time machine where they knew he was going to lose the arm, but they didn't know exactly when he was going to lose the arm. You're going to lose that arm! Yep. Uh, uh, haven't seen that but, one. Uh, yeah, that's actually a fun movie. So anyway, uh, she's quoted here. She said she did not have a happy childhood. Her father and I went through a divorce when she was eight years old. She and her father were extremely close. When she was in the seventh grade, a very good friend of hers died of heart disease, and that affected Kathy very Mm -hmm. much. One of the main reasons we moved to Las Vegas was to give Kathy another chance to get away from the environment she grew up in. After the move, Kathy blossomed and made new friends. But according to her mother, as Kathy's 16th birthday approached, her fear of dying returned. She got very teary-eyed one night and told me, Mom, I don't want to get any older. I want to be a little girl. And I told her, Kathy, we all have to grow up. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but we all do it. And she told me, I'm not going to. She didn't, ma- she didn't think she'd make her 16th birthday. So she's like Peter Pan now. I'm not going to grow up. So, so Tupac over here doesn't think she's going to make her 16th birthday. Okay. <laughs> Tupac. Kathy spent all of her time in her room and would not leave the house. Then on the morning of her 16th birthday, she was surprised and relieved to find that she was still alive. She now seemed to have a new enthusiasm for life. And Kathy's sister, Theresa Hobbs, remembered how she began to go out again and started making plans for her future. She was ecstatic. She came out and said, I made it, Mom. I made it. I'm 16. I did it. I'm alive. You know, this also reminds me just how dumb teenagers are. Um, yeah. Because I remember, I remember when I was uh, 15, um, I was I was friends with this girl who started dating this guy that I, like, hated. And this guy, I guess, became friends with this other guy who was into, like, Wiccan stuff and witchcraft and all this other uh-huh. kind of stuff. And I know Wiccanism isn't necessarily witchcraft, blah, blah, blah. For the most part, I guess, Wiccans... It, the Wiccan religion is... is positive for the most part from what yeah my understanding and anyway this you know these were teenagers so of course they were treating it as like ooh, we're witches and we cast spells so they we you know we were chatting on a like yahoo instant messenger or something uh-huh. and it was yeah. right before my family left for vacation to orlando and and we had gotten some kind of argument 
And the friend supposedly put a spell on me uh, that something was go- bad was going to happen to me in a week or, or I was going to die. I, I don't exactly remember the details. But I remember it literally ruined my whole vacation because the whole time I was You're on vacation, thinking about it. I was thinking about that and I was yeah. like worried about it. And, you know, and it like I wasn't really able to enjoy myself as much. Self, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in that. Well, it could have if I actually sense. if I actually died or if something did actually happen at, at my own hand, that would have been. Well, I mean, you still get, you still get. I mean, I'm just saying you still got really. Oh yeah, stressed right. out about it and it ruined your vacation. So in a lot of ways, something bad did happen. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Fair enough. But yeah, so like then the, of course the the time came and went when the spell was supposed to happen and nothing fucking happened and. You know, in in my it, now would like twenty eight year old Josh would I have ever believed that for a second? Okay. I would have laughed at them and been like, "Dude, stop! You know, stop playing D and D and go get a life, you fucking nerd." But you're, now, you're like, but but at you, the t- I think you've watched The Craft far too many times, which <laughs> which is a good movie actually. Um, that that I, you've actually seen. I've actually, yes, I've actually. I know, surprising, right? <laughs> but you know it's like I believed it and, and I was 15 and this chick's 16 her friend died you know and now she's got this yeah. thing in her head that she's gonna die and she went I didn't die and she was all relieved because the time came and she didn't die so it's like I, have I to admit that is kind of absurd and silly like the whole reenactment you know I made it mom I made it yeah <laughs> I did it I'm alive yeah so I mean not that long. teenagers you know are, are not they're they're not they they may act like they're little geniuses but they're not they can still get yeah. the wool pulled over their eyes with a lot of stuff exactly. and you know that's that was the case. They still here. have a lot of learning to do. Uh, so after Kathy vanished, police assumed that she had been abducted and issued photos to the media. Eventually, one crucial clue surfaced: a clerk remembered seeing Kathy in the supermarket the night she vanished. Store receipts confirmed that someone did purchase a paperback novel at 11.17 that night. Apparently, Kathy had made it to the store, but not home. Nine days after Kathy vanished, hiker Rick Packelt was searching for rock crystals out in the desert near Lake Mead. Now, first of all, what, what, is, what are rock crystals? Like, what is he searching for? Just crystals? Like, thunder eggs? Like, what? I wonder if they're those things, that rock that you break open and there's all these, like, Yeah, like awesome- a thunder egg. That's, oh, that's, that's another term for them. Oh, thunder I, didn't, I didn't know those things had a name. I thought they were just called cool, shiny thing, rock things. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a scientific technical term for it. Oh, uh, here we have a cool, shiny rock thing. Well, here, uh, here, Ken's a cool, shiny rock thing. It's Latin for um, cool, shiny rock thing. <laughs> a little rock <laughs> joke there for you. So I was walking. Uh, uh, Rick Rick is quoted here. He says, "I was walking back to the car, and it was probably 150 feet, 200 feet from the road, and was stopped by a very strong odor. I decided to see where it was coming from or what it was, and that's when I found Catherine's body. Now that's that is horrible. He even says it's the most horrible thing I'd ever seen in my life. I had to sit down and gather my thoughts and make sure that what I was looking at was real." I don't know. I wouldn't be. I, I probably would never go searching for rock crystals out, out near Lake Mead ever again after that. Yeah, that would definitely um, put a bad taste in my mouth as far as whatever you were doing, and then you find a body. You know that that would definitely uh, be like, yeah, that 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 is now no longer as uh, enjoyable to me now because of uh, that experience. But then again, I don't know. Maybe you get over it. Lieutenant Kyle Edwards was first on the scene. Within probably 20 minutes of our arrival, we knew it was Catherine. There was no doubt in, in our my own minds that it was Catherine. 
it does get very quiet and you can't help but look at it and see your own children and say, for the grace of God, there goes one of mine. And at, at the time, your immediate feeling is to run home, grab your daughter by the arm and bring her to the scene and say, this is why I say no. See, no, that that wouldn't be my first reaction, officer yeah, I douche. Yeah, like, that was pretty fucked up. No, actually. I, I would that, never yeah. take my kid to a fucking dead, rotting body <laughs> and be like, see, look at it. Look at it. This is why I tell you, you can't go see the, the fucking uh, uh, kid, new kids on the block by yourself. You know, you, you got you got to stay in. It's like, no, you sick fuck. You would ruin her for life if you did that. What's this wrong is why with you? You can't go out with your friends to go see a late night showing of Power Rangers. Jeez, that, uh, guy, that guy is one guy who likes being right, apparently. Yeah, I guess. Like that, I do remember that. That was something that stood out. I was like, that's pretty douchey. Pretty douchey behavior right there. Uh, tire prints of the scene showed where a vehicle had pulled in, turned around, and left. Investigators also found two rocks splattered with Caffey's blood. The coroner concluded that she died from repeated blows to the head. Vivian recalled her daughter's premonitions. She was 16 years, three months, and three days old when she was killed. So she made it to 16, but not much after that. But she was right. She wasn't going to live to be an adult. After Kathy's death, several letters were found in a room addressed to each member of the family. They were dated one month before her 16th birthday. The one to Vivian read, Dear Mother, in the events of my death, you shall get this letter. I hope you live happily, and I don't want you or anyone else to dwell on my death. I love you all very dearly. You were good to me, and nobody else could have been a better mother. Keep me alive in your heart, and don't ever forget me. Almost, love always. Almost sounds like a suicide note. Yeah, it does. Exactly three months after Kathy had vanished, a call came into the Las Vegas Police Department. Their answering machine recorded this message from a man who may have witnessed her abduction. He grabbed this girl in front of her store, in front of the store on a desert inn in Maryland. This was a few months ago. I've been out of town for a few months, and I wrote this down because she was screaming. I pulled over in the car. She was a very young girl wearing a white jacket and pink pants. And the guy's name, he hollered to him. Uh, he pushed her in the car, and his name was Robbie. Lieutenant Edwards is quoted here again. He says, "The theory is that we have the theory that we have is that she was abducted between the store and her apartment by one or more suspects. We think she was driven to the lake that night and killed that evening." The caller reported the license number of the car, but not, did not leave his name or phone number. The police checked the license number and discovered it did not exist. Today, the murder of Kathy Hobbs remains unsolved. Her mother and Las Vegas police hope that the witness will call back and give more details, or that someone watching may recognize the voice of the mysterious caller. But there actually is an update to this case. It was actually solved. Her murder has since been linked to Michael Lockhart, who was convicted for a series of murders in Texas, Indiana, and Florida, and executed in Texas in 1997. Since he had already been sentenced to death in the three states, Nevada did not pursue prosecution. So, yeah, you know... Um Tupac Hobbs over here, who's convinced that she was going to die, you know, before she actually died, and actually wrote letters and stuff before it actually happened. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a coincidence, you know. I mean, the whole thing is just a big coincidence, like I well, said. I mean, it still is awful and horrible. I mean, it's a horrible thing to happen to somebody. You just go out and get a paperback book at a store and then come back and you get, you know, abducted and then murdered. I mean, that's awful. 
Now, um, I, I do feel that she should have not have done that that night. If she saw that the friends weren't there at the pool, she should have been like, nah, I'll just read another book that I have or something. Yeah. Or go to bed. Well, you know, it's because of show. Like I, 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 I say time and time again, it's it's because of shows and incidences and news reports like this is why people stopped letting their kids do this kind of stuff as much. I mean, it's... It still happens, like absolutely, but I, I don't think the frequency. I, I think I think back in the day it was just a no brainer, maybe to let your kid go out and go to the store unattended, you know, or walk down the street to. But I, I don't even understand how that would be even a, a a good thought process even back then. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. I just I mean, think that our 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 fear culture and our news and all that is so deeply embedded in our thought processes nowadays to where it's like, yeah, we could never imagine that. But I, I just think back then it was just a much more innocent, well, not innocent, yeah, but a much but more naive. Probably, there probably were still things like that where it was like, I don't want you going out by yourself. But then at the same time, it's, you know, the kid has their own control of their own body. So that's one of those things where, you know, you could say something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the kid is going to follow your directions and and not go out. That happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, I remember my mom went to see Pink Floyd up in uh, the Boston Arena back when she, in the 70s when she was a teenager. She saw Pink Floyd on the Animals Tour, and her and her girlfriend, like, took the, the subway, and, you know, they just... They went, you know, navigated their way from their house all the way to this concert and then back, you know. And Well, that was a little bit different because she was with her girlfriend. Yeah. It wasn't by herself. But I get it. But, you I, know. I totally get what you're meaning there. It, 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 these kind of, there's, there's stuff like that that would happen without incident all the time. So I think people were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. But I think nowadays it's kind of like, hell no, I don't care, you know, what the circumstances. You're not doing this out or the other by yourself, especially if you're a female, because, hey, you know, not trying to be uh, gender, whatever the fuck, but uh, females get, trying to be sexist. Yeah. <laughs> females get preyed upon because they are easier to prey upon. And males are the ones doing the preying for the most part. Can't really think of many instances of some teenage boy getting abducted by some older woman and getting killed. Although I'm sure there's like one well, or two, two cases. I, of that know, happening. There, there probably is some cases like that. But there are cases of teenage boys getting abducted, just not necessarily by an older woman. Well, you know, 90% of the cases are older men who prey upon younger women, you know. I mean, that's just an undeniable yeah. fact. So, I mean... Or sometimes men of the same age. I mean, that happens on campuses. They're around the same age. And uh, there, was, there was like a rapist that was at Clark, Clark College, and they actually got him, though. Point. They didn't reveal who it was, but, you know, they just, they said, you know, we, we took care of the situation, the person is incarcerated, they're, they're banned from the campus. Point being, when it comes to this kind of stuff, men can be real bastards, more so than women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would yeah. never do it, and you guys listening out there, you guys would never do it, I don't think. Maybe you, though. Yeah, you. You know who I'm talking to. You listening right now. Would you do that? I hope not. You might have Lieutenant Joe Kenda on your ass. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm trying to make so, this interesting uh, speak, for radio. Speaking of stuff that uh, is interesting, uh, here we have a case that a case of Katie 
Now, this is one that I remember seeing on the VHS rips, and I was like, I definitely wanted to talk about this sometime because this is a case that was such bullshit that Unsolved Mysteries was like, oh, hell no. We're, we're, <laughs> we're debunking this shit. Hell you know? nah. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and a lot of people do consider this to be one of the worst segments, but I actually think it's a fun segment because it shows a different side of Unsolved Mysteries, the side where they go in and they actually do debunk all of this and show, uh, so we have a reverse skeptic, reverse skepticism, uh, segment here. It's like you use that for the believers. (laughs) Yes. Now, the reason why I think that this one didn't make our uh, worst Unsolved Mysteries uh, episode we did a few episodes ago is because... It's entertaining. <laughs> well, the, the su- Unsolved Mysteries didn't do a bad job on this. The no. subject in The subject they were profiling was bullshit, and Unsolved yeah. Mysteries did a great job in kind of being like, well, exactly. let's take this person down. So, though the person was ridiculous, Unsolved Mysteries itself wasn't ridiculous. That's why it didn't make it into yeah, exactly. a, a bad Unsolved Mysteries segment. But yeah, I, I mean, I, me- I remember seeing this one. This is actually on the Ultimate uh, Collection. Which, Psychics? Uh, yes, which I totally think belongs on there. I think this is a great yeah. one to put in there. Um, so I've seen this one quite a bit. Um, and, it, and it does... Someone actually made the comment on our group that um, th- I think they were saying their mom gets gross or got nauseous whenever this segment would come on. And I can see why, because like, you know, the, the, the of her many w- claims, you know being psychic, having these premonitions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of her more, more out, like, astounding claims is that she sweats uh, this, this what's tentatively called gold foil from her pores. And they actually have this, you know, mock, vi- or they have this video of her. It's not a mock video. They, you know, to them, yeah, it's Yeah, they legit. actually show the video, too. They show the video. Uh, and they have pictures and stuff. And the foil uh, appears to be um, coming out of her pores, although they never really... They show, like, her... They show the foil already on her, and then they show her bare skin, and they focus in, or they try to, and they go, Whoa, I can I can see it forming right there. I can see the shininess forming, and it looks like glitter or something. You just see these little sparkles. Yeah, and to them, exactly. That's the, to them, that's the, the gold so, foil forming or whatever. Here, here, here's a little backstory. So uh, Katie, uh, she's a Florida housewife. Uh, Florida, there you go. Why does it have to be Florida all the time for this <laughs> shit? God, come on. <laughs> You're like, why can't it be Vancouver, Washington? Anywhere else, man. Florida already gets a fucking bad rap for being weird, but whatever. And apparent, and so she's just named Katie. They didn't really give her last name or anything. It's just a Florida housewife named Katie. She has supposedly been able to predict the future and has been able to produce gold and gems out of thin air or out of her eye or out of her ear or or out of her ass. That's where this story came from. <laughs> Katie claims that her first unusual experience occurred in 1974 when she saw a man walk by her and into her bedroom and disappear. Uh, the next day she saw a picture of her deceased father-in-law and knew that he was the man that she had seen earlier. First off, I mean, that could have just been, oh, that guy. I saw him. Oh my god, that's my dad! He's been dead for years! How how do you know that? 
Um, a few months later, Katie went with a police investigator to the home of a burglary because there's this police guy who was he said he was skeptical, but he believes in all of this. Maybe it's because she's very charismatic. Maybe that's why. Um, yeah, they, a lot of this, this, artists, a lot of fraudsters are. The police, or maybe guy, just really gullible. I mean, he, first of all, he's retired, so he's not even like he at the time he wasn't even actively like on the force or whatever. I think he was just doing like a private investigator stuff on the side at that point or something. Uh-huh. Um, he he didn't seem skeptical enough to me. Like he seemed, no. he seemed like he was perhaps open to uh, this kind of stuff. And that's fine to be open to it, but I mean, I'm open to it too, but I mean, this, I'm just, no. This is just total bullshit. So anyway, he takes her on with, he takes her with him on a police investigation to the home of a burglary. She correctly identified the house that was robbed, described the blue room decorated in Japanese motif and the jewelry box where the items were stolen from. And she was correct in all accounts, including the description of three suspects that were the friends of the family who was robbed. I mean, that does sound really convincing. As Shania Twain once said, that don't impress me much. <laughs> uh, she then went on to mention that the marijuana, that marijuana was going to wash up on a local beach because she actually smelled it. She's like, do you smell that? I thought that was a funny scene because she's like, do you smell that? And he's like what's that and, and she's like it smells like marijuana and then it shows the guy's face <laughs> and he looks so like kind of like he's kind of like oh no i don't smell anything, I don't smell anything. <laughs> he's like trying to hide his stash like stuff it in his pocket more like damn it i told him to wrap it in tinfoil <laughs> no i don't smell any marijuana <laughs> i'll tell you what uh, but uh, she went on to mention the marijuana was going to wash up on a local beach, and within the next couple of we- within the next couple of weeks, and searching with some police helicopters searching overhead, which are- this actually came true two weeks later. But it was well documented that marijuana had washed up on that beach before, so that could easily just been okay, something that she I'm just, just going to say up on. right now, like all this other shit was like okay fine psychics can like pick up on this stuff that's cool like uh, like up until later on in the segment that i i was i was on board i was on board with miss katie i was yeah, like yeah see oh. that's the thing that that's what makes it i i i felt the same way too when i watched this i was like well, okay psychic okay you know smell a little maybe bit of she weed is okay, psych- you know whatever. maybe she is psychic yeah totally maybe, but on, on board as of as of right now on board but then Here's where things go off the rails and into a dumpster fire. So in 1986, Katie began producing gold-type foil from her pores and was videotaped several times. In 1990, Katie was videotaped having a diamond-shaped object fall out of her eye, and several other objects appear out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere from her body. Most skeptics believe that she is a clever fraudster, but others believe that her mysterious powers are real. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to be twice in this episode because that, yeah. that's where you lost me. That's where you fucking... Diamonds coming out of orifices in your body, hopefully only mouth and ear orifices, not any others. Um, and, and foil... Come, it's like, okay, you know, you, you, your little act, it was doing good, could have been believed. Maybe, you know, it was true. I mean, even in her interviews, she looked off to me because she's, she's in front of the camera... 
and she's telling her story and she keeps looking down repeatedly. That's usually a sign of somebody who is not telling the truth. Oh, I never, I like, never blah, even blah, noticed blah, that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, uh, she was. She did that repeatedly during her interview on camera. Mm. So for me personally, that just was a tell for me to be like, okay, she's making this shit up. Uh, and uh, they actually had skeptics and actually had people who were interviewed who recreated these things. Uh, uh, there were some people who I could, maybe the show hired that recreated the gold foil sweating by using gold leaf purchased at an arts and crafts store. Yeah, they actually show they're like, uh, yeah, they were like interns or there was something like that. And they, yeah. she's like, yeah, we went to the craft store and got this gold leafing and uh, put some hairspray on it and put it on me. And it's been on me for the past four hours now. And there's some on my mouth here and she sticks her tongue out and it's on her tongue. And she's like, I can talk fine and sometimes swallow normally or whatever. And she's like, it's on my stomach and it's on my back. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Show me your stomach and your back. Yeah, it looks good. I like that gold foil. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, she was a little bit more attractive than Miss Katie, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I'm a dirty old man. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're a dirty they're, white boy. Oh God, there's a singer at one of my karaoke gigs named Dirty White Boy. Don't remind me of that guy. I have to. I get to see him tomorrow. Yay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was it was easily replicated. Um, they also did the gem falling from the eye. It was easily explainable by a magician who showed how she could secrete the stone. Uh, in between her fingers, below her ring easily, and pop it out at the right moment, um, which he showed on camera. Uh, it's a sleight-of-hand trick where you just take this diamond and you put it into the space in between your two fingers. You hold it together. He showed that you could gesture, you could gesticulate and move your hands around and everything, and nothing would fall out. And then you put the, your hand in front of your eye, and then you just open the finger and open your fingers and it would fall down and actually show it on camera <laughs> because they slowed the footage down on some mysteries they slowed the footage down and it shows her opening her fingers and then the diamond falling out and they have like a yellow circle to show like see this is bullshit right here is where the bullshit is now you know in the realm of, of believability, when it comes to like certain things like uh, psychics, yes, I, I believe that people can have extra uh, sensory perception. I believe to a certain extent, um, like energy fields can be tapped into by human beings, like the lady who was able to make the telephone go across the room, and uh, the other, the electric lady who where the microwave fired up, and these people yeah. have such more of an air of authenticity than because they're afraid of these things happening. They don't want them happening. This chick that we're talking about today, Miss Katie, she seems like a charlatan. She seems like a circus act. Like, she is totally... She reminds me of the people back in uh, the early days, like in the 1900s, who were the spiritualists, who had the whole sort of stuff. Oh, look, the ectoplasm, you know, all of that. They, they thought the ectoplasm was... They captured ectoplasm on, uh, on film, and it was just a photo trick. Yeah, or I mean, it also reminds me of um, you know. I guess I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is when the bullshit meter kicks in in high gear for me is when people start saying they can either uh, manifest objects from their body, like like these gems and gold foil, or when they can take out objects from someone's body without any pain, aka Gary Magno and his 
ability to yeah, reach into your psychic body, surgery. psychic surgery, and reach out and take out, you know, part bad, like pieces of flesh and stuff, uh, which actually just turned out. No, it is. It's just, it's chicken, just chicken parts. Yeah. So when when they start saying that they can manifest like objects from nothing, like that's when I'm like, okay, that just can't happen. That's just an impossibility. That's when I really start kind of going, you know, south. Well, yeah, I mean, it. when, you know, to quote uh, uh, fellow group members, uh, Eileen Wilson-Young and Matt Frazier, when you start having start having sweat porn and gold pukaki uh, <laughs> coming out of uh, your pores, uh, then, then I call bullshit right then and there. And I'm just like, nope. Yeah, we got some funny people on the on that uh, that, that yeah, we group do. or whatever. Some of the stuff they say. I, 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 just, I love that one, Gold Pukaki. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, you guys are you guys are fucking hilarious, man. You guys should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm ju- that's where I just draw the line. I mean, I feel like the human brain is very powerful and it can control maybe uh forces it's just amazing how a lot of these other people just believed it they were so sincere about it the woman that was interviewed her i think her brother or her husband or something was it her son it was i think it was her son actually it was all like well i saw a fork or spoon like melt yeah and of course the son you know like yeah he has no vested interest in like standing by his mother's side and saying that she's right you know oh yeah that's that's a that's a um objective third party right there and then the other four friends of hers the the blonde lady who is all like oh i said the gold foil it, it, it formed and i'm like we don't see that on camera we don't see it forming before our eyes really what if she this is really true they should have had her it do it again for the Unsolved Mysteries crew. But clearly that's not what happened. So they might have asked her and she refused because she probably realized that, wow, there's going to be people who are not believers who are going to be looking into this, who are going to make be checking me and making sure I don't have foil hidden on me or hiding somewhere or in my crack or in my crevices or hidden in my tits somewhere that I could use to put on my body. Um, she was probably like, I'm, I'm sorry, Unsolved Mysteries. I, I can only I, I can only do these when I'm surrounded by dumb people. If, if the people <laughs> around me aren't complete morons, or, then the trick won't work. Or I can only, I can only do this if you're not looking, which, yeah. which is like uh, the, the film Mystery Men with Invisible Boy. It's like, I, I've only, I can only turn invisible if you don't look. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and, and and you know, the fact that William Roll was nowhere near this uh, segment uh, also kind of lends uh, it uh, to be bullshit to me because, as everybody already knows, I mean, William Roll is a stamp of authenticity. I'm just joking. William Roll doesn't <laughs> typically deal in the psychic world. He's more in the ghost stuff. But well, I think he was there for the girl who threw the phone across the room. Yeah, he was. Correctly. Yeah, and he was with her when when some shit went down, and he was able to verify that. Um, <laughs> Yes, what happened was very weird, and I can't explain it. Um, it was very mysterious, but I'm not scared because what, I'm what German. What do you think would happen with him if what what would if he was here when he saw this going on? What would his reaction be? Well, clearly, what we have here is um, uh, a woman who is putting gold foil on her body. Um, it it is a complete waste of time. I'm glad I'm still getting paid for flying all the way from Hamburg here to do this uh, segment. I'm going to go out and buy 
a new uh, spiels and flagen for my living room with the money I made from this. Uh, and thank you. Goodbye. Call me when some real ghost stuff happens. This is bullshit. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> uh, so I uh, could not have said it better myself. Thank you, Mr. Roll. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't know what else to say about this case. Uh, uh, it was it was a fun one to talk about, though. And um, yeah, yeah, sometimes it is fun to talk about cases that are not really real. Like it's just oh, just a bunch of bullshit and uh the skeptics she, she, are right. She could have opened her own arts and crafts store and be like, I sell gold foil and trinkets from my body. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's got like their shopping carts full of this stuff. And then when she says that, they're like, ooh, never mind. Let me put this no, stuff down and yeah. slowly back out of the store. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. <laughs> Let me put this stuff back. Those diamonds have been in my ears. Do you still want them? No, I'm good now. I think I'm going to go outside and throw up. See you later, Miss Cat. Like you don't, Katie. You don't, you don't know where these things have been. Um, now I do. And that's not. This not gold a good thing. foil has been on my inner thigh. Doesn't that make it special to you? Um, yeah. Especially gonna throw up. And to be clear, uh, what what they're saying the breakdown of this stuff was like twenty percent zinc and what like eighty percent uh, copper. Copper, which still, I mean, if her body can produce copper, copper prices are uh, pretty good right now. I think so. Yeah, because uh, originally we're like, if it's really is gold, we're like, then why shouldn't that? Why doesn't she sell it? Yeah, like, save it, it melt it down. Something. Yeah, you know, make gold bars out of yeah. So I, and she'd be a, a millionaire by now, but you know, clearly that's not the case. And from everything we've learned about unsolved mysteries, she's probably dead now because every from everybody from this show is <laughs> it's apparently uh, dead. She died from copper and and uh, zinc poisoning. <laughs> yeah, from all the uh, putting all this stuff on her body uh, falsely. It probably hairspray. Yeah. yeah. Poisoning of the yeah. So yeah, this is uh, someone got someone decided to post it on the group, and I think we decided that oh yes, yeah, would be a good one to talk about because I mean I think I but admit, if she if she's alive, that's fine. I mean I'm, I'm we don't want this to sound like oh hey, hey. <laughs> glad she's dead. <laughs> no no wow that's, that's that's fucked up. Um, so I, I hope she's uh, alive and well, but I hope she's not duping people anymore. Yeah. She probably won't be able to in today's day and age anyway. Well, I mean, not not in uh, thir- uh, first world countries, at least. I'm sure she could go to a third world country still and, you know, yeah. worship her or something like that. All right. Up next, uh, finally, we have the uh, Kecksburg UFO. Uh, this is something I've, I've been wanting. I mean, I want to talk about all the UFO cases eventually. I've been trying to save them like a, a juice. You know, you don't want to run out of all your juice too soon. This is a long episode, a long segment. Yes, it was. Um, I would imagine that this would have taken up a large portion of. It was uh, a two-parter. I think it was originally shown in like one part on one episode, and then shown in a second part. But in episode one of season three on Amazon Prime, they put both parts in there. Oh, Mr. Bike Douche is coming down the road. Yay. Be nice to see that suppository from Kecksburg land on his ass. Go, go, yeah, for real. So he couldn't use that stupid thing anymore. It's like, it's so fucking loud, that motor on that bicycle. Anyway, um, Kecksburg UFO, Twilight, December 9th, 1965. A brilliant light streaked through the skies over Canada and the United States. Thousands have reported to have seen its light, which could have been seen for hundreds of miles in all directions. 
Near the village of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, 40 miles southeast of Pittsburgh, Rob Landy and his brother Ray were riding their bicycles. Quoting Ray here, We were riding around and we just happened to look up into the sky and we saw this thing coming over across the top of the trees. It just glided right across the sky, like right across the tops of the trees. Yeah, you already said that, Ray. It scared us. We didn't know what it was or what to think about it. Just dumbfounded. And then it disappeared and we ran. And then his brother Rob said, You knew what an airplane looked like. You knew what a helicopter looked like. And that didn't look like anything we'd ever seen before. And the angle that it was coming in, you just knew that it had to hit the ground. Three miles away, another local boy, Randy Overly, also saw the object. He said, I was playing by a creek at the time and heard this deep hissing noise. And I looked up in the sky and saw an object coming at me from a good distance away. And it flew right at me from a pretty good distance It flew right over the top of me, no higher in the air than 200 feet, and it was going no faster than a small airplane would go. So that's important that we're establishing that it's not going super fast at this point. Uh, For later, that becomes important. Nearby, Nevin and Nadine Kelp were playing outside when the object flew overhead and crashed in a ravine about a mile away. This ball of fire came through. It's something I've never seen before and never seen since, and... uh, Seeing the smoke at the time down in the holler there. Now let's take a second here. I'm from the country and all, but someone please tell me what the fuck is a holler? Hollow? A hollow? He said hollow. I don't think he said hollow. It sounded like he said holla. That's a holla. It might have been. Uh, It's just his accent because I, I, I think he was meant to say hollow. Okay, well, for anyone listening out there, if there's a difference between a hollow and a holla or holler, let me know, because I've never heard that terminology before. And I've holla, in, holla. Holla, 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 holla. I've lived out in the country all my life, never heard the term holla. holla. It's, like, it's like the guy who said, uh, uh, what, the way he said copter or something. Helicopter. Yeah, helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was a Texas, a Texas UFO. I don't know what a helicopter is, sir. For the strange, like I don't know what a holler. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I, I have no idea. Are you, are you hollering? Is there? Is there? Is that where people holler? Is down there? I saw it down in the holler down there, where people holler about things. It's where people in the country. That's where people go to express their grievances. There's a, just an area where people yell really loud about <laughs> stuff. Taxation, the Tea Party, <laughs> other stuff that Middle America people don't like. Vague notions of things mm. that are. Whatever. For the strange object, that ravine was the end of a long and highly visible journey. But for the residents of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, the mystery was just beginning. Mm -hmm. Meatball. Spicy, delicious, unsolved mystery meatball that they're giving you. You know you're about to go on an adventure that's going to be fun. In the next 25 years, the townspeople would grapple with the perplexing question, what fell from the sky that night? For the first time on Unsolved Mysteries, uh, 10 of these eyewitnesses have come together to tell about what happened on a night that they will never forget. After Nevin and Nadine Kelp returned home, their mother had heard an emergency appeal on a local radio station. Quoting uh, the mother here named Frances Kelp, the radio said something about if anyone had an airplane or something missing uh, to call them. And I called and said it was no airplane, it was just a piece from an airplane. And it landed right near my farm. She's assuming. You should never assume, Francis. Come on. Come on now, Francis. Don't assume. The radio host thanked Francis for the information, and Francis put the event out of her mind until the phone rang again within two or three minutes. It was a man from the U.S. Navy. He said 
that um, she should watch the area and should anything strange develop to call this specific number. And then she said, shouldn't I just call the fire department? And he said, no, you call us, we'll call the fire department. At that point, Frances mm. called one of her girlfriends, but it wasn't very long until the operator came onto the phone line to clear the line and said that there was an emergency call. And Frances said, oh, okay. And the call turned out to be the state police. Now, a few things here. If somebody ever, if you see something crash in the woods and somebody ever calls you from a mysterious number and says, hey, if you see anything strange develop, call us. I'm going to be like, no, motherfucker, you come down here right now and protect my ass because I don't want to see anything strange come out of these woods. And, and B, why would anything strange, why would you even say that? Why would you even say if anything strange happens? If it's just a downed aircraft, nothing strange should be happening. It should just be smoke and shit. It's, it's, it's not the go- Ghostbusters calling. You know, there's something strange yeah. in the something neighborhood. strange in the neighborhood. Yeah, no, there shouldn't be something strange in my neighborhood. It, he shouldn't have used that wording even. He said, hey, if there's a burned, charred body walking out and he seems to be on fire, maybe call 911 or something. They, just how he but worded it. there's a burned, charred body walking out and it's on fire but it's still alive and doesn't seem like it has any problems yeah, yeah. whatsoever yeah Make sure to call us so the phrasing already would have freaked me the hell out and yeah, that it already freaked me out because i was okay this is the typical sort of conspiracy stuff it's like the fbi the cia they know something they've been tracking this thing they know what it is it crashed and then they're like let us know this ufo like, story here but this- at the same time it's weird though because normally in those cases they don't tell people like this about that. They just show up. Well, you got to remember this was 1965. The pro yeah. the protocol for dealing with these situations was in its very infancy at this point. Roswell had had it only been a few years since Roswell had even happened, so they were still very much you know uh, fast and loose with how they dealt with this stuff. This Kecksburg story here. Uh, just totally confirms uh, any any conspiracy, any government uh, secrecy, any of that stuff that people think about when it comes to UFOs. This confirms every single bit of that to the T, um, and you'll see why later on. But the second thing I wanted to point out about this is Francis calls her girlfriend, and then the line's cleared by an operator to interject with um, yeah. the the state police or whatever. Yet again, another totally creepy thing that that uh, was able to happen back then, and still now, probably if they wanted to, even with personal cell phones. Yeah, you could just be on your cell phone and blah blah, blah talking to somebody, and then if they wanted to get a hold of you, they could probably interrupt your call. And- yeah, which is cra- is crazy, you know. Um, so. The Pennsylvania state troopers were on the scene at Francis' place within 15 minutes. They were accompanied by two men in civilian clothing. Now, you know, this is becoming a trope in the Unsolved Mysteries universe. Anytime you got civilian uh, clothed men, uh, that's never a good sign. Some shit's about to go down or already went down if there's civilian clothed men anywhere in the vicinity of so they don't, uh, officials. They don't show up. They don't stick out like a sore thumb like in a lot of these other movies where it's just a man in black. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> these two men showed up with the state troopers who were in civilian clothing. They never identified themselves, and by now there was no smoke, and the fading light made it difficult to pin down the crash site. 
Um, Francis is quoted by saying, at this point, the men took out a box and went walking towards the trees. And I said to the state trooper, what are all these people coming for? And the state trooper said, oh, they're thinking they're going to see something. But when this goes out of here, nobody's going to see it. And I, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I said, maybe it isn't here. And he said, oh, it's here. And I asked him how he knew, and he said, radiation. And in the reenactment, it's really creepy because these plainclothes civilian people, they just pull out this box, you know, with this radiation wand, and they start walking towards this holla with uh, the, this device. And it's, they're just, like, going into the heart of scary zone here. Yeah. And then you got this fucking ominous state trooper who's like, uh, uh, they're thinking they're going to see something, but when this goes out of here, nobody's going to see it. You know, just welcome just, to terror land. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to fucking bedwetting central right here. This is the stuff <laughs> of nightmares. Uh, this, I wouldn't want to be there in that situation. Like that's that's the type of person you don't want to know. You don't want to be around because that's probably some high government official or something. I don't want to be involved with that shit. Yeah, not high, well, not high official like the guy from the last segment we talked about who didn't smell the marijuana, quote unquote. Ha <laughs> ha, but don't. Um, but yeah, this is a great segment because like I remember this one from my childhood too. I don't know why it's taken so long to talk about this particular one. I guess it just uh, f- I forgot about. So, uh, well, I mean, we actually had somebody in the group <clears throat> who yeah uh, they brought it up. Yeah, brought it up. So so located less than a mile from Kecksburg Village, this ravine that we're talking about runs east to west for 800 yards, cutting across several farms. The object appeared to crash more than half a mile from the Kelps' home. As night fell, several other teams left Kecksburg trying to find the crash site. Volunteer fireman Jim Mays led a search group to a promontory overlooking the ravine. According to him, he said, When we went up to this road and came to the brow of the hill uh, and stopped down to the right in the holla uh, were these blue flashing lights. It wasn't searchers down in the woods. It was a real bright blue, real blue uh, light, like a welder's light. Uh, the flashes seemed to be timed. At what intervals? I don't know, but it was timed. Uh, it wasn't flash bulbs or anything like that. At that point, the troopers decide to close off that area. Um, I actually covered this uh, in uh, when I did the video, my uh, top 10 favorite Unsolved mystery segments. Um, well, no, no, I didn't cover this one. This was in my revamp versus the... Uh, yeah, okay, so I do want to bring this up. This was in my revamp versus the original Unsolved Mysteries video because I wanted to bring this up because in the Dennis Farina portion of, of this exact... Because uh, the Dennis Farina episodes covered this. And at this particular moment that I'm talking about where he's talking about he went to the promontory, uh, the brow of the hill overlooking the holla, whatever that is, and he looked down and it shows the blue lights. Now, in the original, it just shows the blue light flashing in the ravine, okay? And Unsolved Mysteries left it up to the audience to figure out, okay, so that, that's where the, the crash thing is. It's down there, and there's the blue light. On the Dennis Farina one, it adds all these graphics on screen and all this computer, like this beep, 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 this computer uh, noise and shit. And then it actually, oh, it, like this type comes up on the bottom of the screen and it goes unidentified object. And it's got like pointers, like pointing to this blue light. Like, no shit. 
they just got done telling us about this thing in this ravine and how there's these blue flashing lights and it's mysterious. That's all we needed to know to surmise that this very next thing they show in this very next scene was this very thing they were talking about. But no, the Dennis Farina revamp, they assume that we are all a bunch of dumbasses and they have to have graphics on the screen pointing unidentified object right there. Like all the handholding, it just no like, shit, Sherlock. Right. Like, Oh, I don't even get me started on that revamp. I hate that <laughs> revamp with a fiery passion. Um, so meanwhile, hey, for those of you who are, you know, who are live in the UK or I, I mean, I think the UK actually has, which is kind of lame that you can watch some mysteries in the UK, but not in Australia or some of these other places or Canada. So, for, so for those of you who live in Canada and Australia, it, hey, I mean. If you enjoy the Dennis Farina one, cool, but I'm glad you have something on Salt Mysteries related to watch, but hopefully the Robert Stack versions will be available for you, and then you will see exactly what, what we mean, and then you'll be like, wow. Or just go and watch my video on my YouTube be channel. Night, it'd be <laughs> night and day. If you want to see that video, it's uh, my channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And you can go on there and it's my it's under my popular uploads and it hasn't been stricken down yet. Surprisingly, that video has like just stood the test. I mean, I'm, I am surprised that that video hasn't been gotten to yet. But I, I don't think it's going to be struck down now because of Film Rise. Film, you already worked with them and already figured something out with them. So I, I highly doubt because you uh, ended up... Uh, they put a claim on my video, but then I I counter I disputed the claim. I said this video is fair use, blah blah blah, and yeah. they, they removed the claim, which is surprising. That's never happened to me, you know. There, but then again, I'm not. I haven't been in the YouTube game very long, but yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, go check that video out, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Towards the end of that video, I point this exact thing out. I show what the revamp did and what the original did, and how much bullshit the revamp is. So meanwhile, a call went out to all the fire departments as this was going down. Soon more, more than 30 volunteer firemen had gathered in the Kecksburg station. And, and, and this is really cinematic how they do this. It's great. You know, they're like, all right, you know, uh, Jim, you're going to go here. And you're Gordon, you're going to go here. And Frank, you're going to go here. And it's like they, they got them all at the fire station. And like the acting was really good. And um, the, the guy was quoted as saying, we all gathered at the fire station. And the report was that we had an aircraft that was down in the Kecksburg area. And after we got our, our assignment and we knew where we were going, uh, they took us in pickup trucks and dropped us off at certain points on the hill. Uh, as we proceeded through our grid, we heard the first team radio back saying we found the aircraft. And so at that point, uh, the guy said, oh, man, we booked out of our area and, and we got there. And um, it was a the great scene uh, that they show here where they actually reveal this air uh, this this spacecraft in this ravine, um, and it's actually it's a really big uh, like the props department did a great job on this because I thought it looked pretty good you know for that budget and for you know I mean I just thought it conveyed the UFO really well you know yeah and and by the way uh, uh, it was Jared Yeager who. Uh, requested the yeah i UFO. forgot to put his name down yeah and i believe it would be pronounced jaeger jaeger jerry right. jaeger um so it was this humongous still quoting this guy it was this humongous metal object half buried in the ground about six to eight foot around and every bit of eight to foot eight to ten foot long and the object looked just like a fresh acorn that you pick off the tree there was no wings there were no propellers there was no motor 
There was not, no identification whatsoever that would identify it as an aircraft I would know of. There was a bumper on the bottom part of it, and on that bumper was what I would like to call uh, what looked like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. It was markings like stars and shapes and figures and circles and lines, and what it was, I don't know. I've looked at pictures of Russian writing. I've looked at rich pictures of Polish writing. I've looked at pictures of Hebrew writing. Nothing. Nothing that resembles it. And, you know, since those are the only three languages out there, then he covered it all, you know? So this guy's a professional. It reminds me of the uh, artwork and stuff that, you know, I'm not one of the artwork, but the hieroglyphics and things that were seen on the uh, at, uh, at Roswell. Oh, the, on the uh, I-beams, uh, the Area yeah. 51 wreckage? Yeah. Um, and, and I love this guy, this Jared Yeager guy, because this is your everyman in this in this segment. Because you got oh, police... Oh, his name? Really? Did you say, is his name also Jared Yeager? Whoever the fuck said this? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't take the time to... Yeah, I'm just saying Jared Yeager's the guy who, who uh, requested this segment. That's what I'm saying. I, I, he was in this episode? He was in this segment? Oh, that's that's who requested this? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying who who was no. the guy with the sideburns in the segment who was saying this stuff? Uh What was his <laughs> What a kerfuffle this was. <laughs> I mean, I can't even edit this out. This is just too fucked up for me to even like edit out. Okay. I was even detailed enough. I said that you requested it. Okay, look, I, folks, I even said that. The, forget forget Jared Jaeger, all right? Forget that guy's <laughs> name. That was the guy who requested that we do this segment. But the guy I'm quoting here, I'm going to call him Sideburn Guy, okay? Because I don't, I didn't, I typed all this out, but I didn't get the guy's name. I was stretched, I was strapped for time. Sideburn Guy is the guy who said we all gathered at the fire station and blah, blah, blah. Sideburn Guy was the guy who said, you know, we, you know, saw this humongous object and it, you know, I've read, you know, Russian, Polish, Hebrew writing, nothing resembled it, blah, blah, blah. So Sideburn Guy said all this. Not I think his Jager. name was James Romanowski. James, James Romanowski. Roman- there we go. James, James Romanski. Romanski. Yeah, he, he was a volunteer fireman. Okay. Thank God. We have a name now. So James Romanski is the one saying this. And what I like about James Romanski, and uh, you know, Jared Jaeger, you might be an everyman too. I don't know you. You might be a, a, a blue collar guy, but James Romanski, I liked him for this segment because you had police officials there interviewing. You had a UFO researcher later on that we're going to get to. And this guy's just your everyman. This is your, hey, you know, th- I don't know what the hell this was. This is what I saw, you know, so I thought he added a nice balance to this uh yeah, to having him in here, um, and and he was a good interview. That's why they use so much footage of him, is because you know this was a kind of a, kind of a character, you know, even down to his uh, sideburns that connected to his mustache. I thought that was pretty cool. I might actually start yeah. doing that. Um, not really. Um, uh-huh. So he he's he's saying how he saw you know it's got these markings on here, and so then he says, um, we were all standing around this thing wondering what the heck it could be when finally here come two men through the woods and they took one look at the object and immediately told us to leave and that this area is now quarantined. They said, we are taking over. We are in charge. Get out of here. So we started walking out of there when down through the woods, here comes more military. So we left there and by the time we got back to the fire department, this place was wall-to-wall military. Within three hours of the crash, military personnel had set up a temporary command center in the Kecksburg fire station. They promptly restricted civilian movement in the area. An hour later, the military authorities commandeered a farmhouse near the ravine. Lillian Hayes and her family had been living in the house for just over a month. 
Now, again, in the scene, I thought it was awesome to see like all these military personnel just standing at attention in this farmhouse. Like they, you know, literally just commandeered this like this was like wartime or something. Uh, Lillian Hayes stated, while the military was coming in and out of my house all evening, they were making a lot of phone calls and just standing in groups talking. I have no idea who they telephoned. No calls ever came up on my bill. I thought that that was also, again, really creepy and confirms what everybody already believes about when, like, government gets involved. They're making all these phone calls to all these clandestine numbers. No number even ever comes up on the phone bill. So there are numbers out there that are so secretive or there's some code that you can dial on your phone to where nothing even shows up on the phone bill, you know, to where they, they, there's no way to find out what number that even was. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The village of Kecksburg, with a population of just 250, seemed to be invaded, first from the sky and now by the U.S. military. Official military records acknowledge operations that night. However, they state that nothing was found. Eyewitnesses tell a different story. Soon, hundreds of curious spectators accumulated on nearby roads to try to get a look at the mysterious object that had landed in the woods. The crowd was looking into a small ravine of trees. Then they saw something had bright lights on it. Eyewitness Bill Weaver said, Sometime later, I seen a box truck, a van-type truck, pull up there. There were some men that come alongside of it. They were dressed in moon suits, we called them at the time. They had a five-foot box, about five-foot square. They carried it into the ravine. The box Bill Weaver saw seemed too small to hold the object itself. Was there someone or something inside the object that the military wanted to remove? Before long, an army officer appeared on the scene and ordered the crowd to disperse. Bill Weaver goes, hey, what's going on down there? And then the military guy goes, you'll have to leave now. And I thought the reenactment was really good. And he goes, you know, he told me that unless I moved my car and got out of there, they would confiscate my car. Like, again, this is just like the level of just... The government just coming in and strong just how arming. brazen they are. Yeah, just strong arming it's these people into their will. You know, get out of here or we'll take your car and we can legally do all this stuff. I mean, this is how scary, you know, when the government wants to like really step in and, and flex their muscle. Like they really can. And there's nothing us as citizens can really do about it as of right now. You know, I mean, unless you want to get a militia together and fight the government or something, which I am not advocating, and I'm not trying to turn the podcast into this kind of, like, shortwave radio uh, conspiracy theory time or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, when the government gets to this point to where they're like, hey, not only do you have to leave, but we can legally, like, confiscate your car, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Glenn Dennis at the Area 51 thing, where the guy was like, you don't tell anybody what you saw, and Glenn Dennis was like, you can't tell me that. I'm a civilian. And he said, if you go around spreading rumors about what you saw here today, there are going to be people picking your bones out of the sand. So it's, yeah. it's freaky. It's freaky to think about this yeah. stuff. Um, it's chilling. So back in Kecksburg, Jim Romansky and the other firemen were not allowed in the firehouse. The military were still occupying it as a command center. According to Jim here, he says, <laughs> Command center. <laughs> I it's actually control center is what unsolved mystery said I have put in command center because uh, you know I was just I was referencing a uh, uh, live for you die hard with Kevin Smith uh, he was uh, Bruce Willis comes into his command center I was like this is my command center it's like ha command center this <laughs> yeah. is a basement <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny uh, so Jim Romansky's quote is saying we looked up and here comes this jeep coming down the hill 
And behind the Jeep, and this is the image that always stuck out in my head as a child as I watched this segment as a kid. He said, and coming down the hill behind this Jeep was this large flatbed truck, and on this flatbed was this large covered object. And they came down the hill so fast that I know that if you had walked out in front of it, they would have ran you over. They wouldn't have stopped. And where they went, I have no idea. And it's clear on this flatbed truck, it's this object that they removed from the hala. And yeah. they, they covered it with some kind of tarp. And that's what was on the back of this truck. And I just remember seeing as a kid this flatbed truck drive down the road with this covered object on the back. You know, it's so freaky, you know. So, I, I didn't see this as a kid, but that is one of the images that did stick out to me when I saw this on the box set. Yeah, this is one I saw as a kid that actually really freaked me out about UFOs for a while. Because I'm like, holy shit, because it seems so... It seems so legit. local. Yeah, legit and local. Like, this could have happened in my neck of the woods, you know, because I lived out in an area that looked kind of like that when I was younger over at my parents' house. So it then they. In your backyard. Then they interview, they bring in this Stan Gordon guy. Now, Stan is a local researcher who has spent 10 years interviewing dozens of Kecksburg witnesses. Uh, he has a few theories on what could have happened that night. One was that it was a meteor, basically. But it was coming down at a northwest to southeast traje trajectory. The object seemed to make a 20-degree turn east at Cleveland, Ohio. New data suggests that the object made a turn to the south and then made another turn to Kecksburg. Within several miles from the crash site, witnesses say this object came in at a very slow descent. Now Stan is sitting here saying, Meteors do not come in at a very slow descent. Meteors do not make controlled turns. This object did. It glided in. So he's throwing that out as a theory, but he's saying like, yeah, this is a theory, but you know, I don't believe it, and I don't think anyone you else believes it. You might as well either. bring out the sound effect for that one, because that's just <laughs> really because that that that's that's definitely deserving of of that sound effect, because that doesn't explain the hieroglyphics on on the object either. Well, I mean, it made controlled turns and it and it, it basically And it made controlled turns. So, so no basically you have uh, the the magic bullet form of uh, meteors here, um, you know, doing all these zigzags and stuff which again meteors don't do. Um, then he's going on to say going back to NASA records, they apparently have no loggings for any kind of space debris for that date and time of this observation. Stan obtained an official Air Force report of the Kecksburg incident through the Freedom of Information Act. Now, let me just say, I think there should be like an Unsolved Mysteries board game and like any time the Freedom of Information <laughs> is Act is, is used in the show, someone takes like a shot or something. Like I love this Freedom of Information Act and I love how often it's used in the show. This is, this is almost as uh, great as when William Roll appears on the show, uh, whenever uh, a Freedom of Information Act is invoked and Unsolved Mysteries fan gets their wings. Um, <laughs> There was quite a lot of interest in this object from the Houston Space Center, NORAD, the Pentagon, chairman of the Office of Emergency Planning even. <clears throat> and uh, the official explanation was that it was likely a meteor and the search was called off at 2 a.m. and that nothing was found. That's what this act, this, um, this uh, official Air Force report stated, that uh, nothing was found and the search was called off at 2 a.m. <clears throat> but... You had all these agencies that were that were very interested in this. You know, Houston Space Center, NORAD, the Pentagon, even the chairman of Office of Emergency Planning. I mean, these people were like, again, this was the '60s. This was they, people were like, the government was fairly new to handling UFOs. They didn't know if if it was you know some kind of alien invasion. For all they knew, they were being very prepared for whatever it could have been. 
and at the same time keeping the general public in the dark about anything. Uh, another eyewitness, John Hayes, reported seeing a military convoy coming out of the ravine, and at the end of the, at the end he saw this flatbed truck, and on the flatbed truck was again this covered object, and he said it was about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. <clears throat> this truck pulled up right by his house. He like looked out his room and saw this thing basically driving through their yard. I guess he was that close to this ravine. According to Stan Gordon, eyewitnesses identified the military unit as the Air Force's 662nd Radar Squad based out of the Pittsburgh area. Gordon believes that this squad was part of a top-secret operation that investigated UFOs. There's no log of this incident in the squadron's records. The government has not told us everything they know about the Kecksburg case. Quoting Stan Gordon again here. Official reports that the military put out, um, and this is a... Uh, Jim Romancy again uh, with the everyman uh, opinion about it. Uh, the official reports that the military put out, as far as I'm concerned, are a bunch of bull. If this thing was a meteorite, why didn't they just bring it out and say, here it is. Let the reporters take pictures of it. Let the firemen see it. Let the people of this area see it. Why the big mystery? And then Stan chimes in saying, I think when we get down to eliminating everything we've known about the object, we have two possibilities here. Either A, we're dealing with a highly advanced space probe, probably of a foreign nation that appears to be highly technical from what we knew about 1965, or, or two, the possibility exists that we might be dealing with an alien spacecraft. The Air Force declined Unsolved Mysteries' request for an inquiry. Now that's another thing that could go into the Unsolved Mysteries board game. Anytime uh, a official uh, military body denies Unsolved Mysteries' request for an inquiry, then you would take a shot or something as well. Um, but the Air Force declined Unsolved Mysteries' request for an inquiry. The report concludes that nothing was found. Some people in Kecksburg disagree. <laughs> Robert Stack just ending on another fucking brilliant note there. He sticks the landing, as usual. So yeah, it was a long uh, case, uh, but it's a good one. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's a two-parter, so that's why it was so long. There's a lot of uh, juicy details in this particular uh, segment. It definitely is one of my favorite UFO uh, segments on the show uh, because they have all these different uh, people that are interviewed. They all have a similar story. What do they have to gain by making this stuff, making this stuff up? And uh, it's just this whole sort of thing where, yeah, I mean, I could buy it, you know, some UFO that crashed in some small town somewhere and there are a lot of people still believe in this in this town to this day i mean it's a kind of a tourist attraction they have like a mock-up of what the spacecraft look like and you can take pictures with it oh wow, i didn't know that and there's some guy who has the actual prop from the show in his personal collection now see even as i was watching this segment i was saying to myself that is a prop that i would like to own from the show no, well, this, there's some there's some guy already beat you to it. So yeah, that might be a good question that uh, Thomas could pose in the uh, in the group. Uh, what what uh, prop from Unsolved Mysteries would you most like to own? <laughs> I want to own the giant. Uh, it was this big uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, it was kind of like a plaque that was hanging from the ceiling in the background, and in uh, I think some of the later seasons. It's the purple one. It's this purple plaque that has the logo on it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, for me, it would uh, probably have to be Stax Trench Coat. 
<laughs> um, or hmm, I'd have to think about that one. But you know, first thing that jumps to mind is uh, Stax trench coat, obviously. Um, so or a phone, a phone from the telecenter would be cool too. Like a that, phone from cool. the actual set of the telecenter, that'd be really rad. Um, but yeah, no, I want this that official unsolved mysteries hat. That's what I want <laughs> because I apparently. I remember reading that some people actually got it from John and Terry when they still had them. Like they sent letters and then, you know, they would send them stuff. Oh, they do. The, the there's unsolved mystery swag, official unsolved mystery swag out the ass. I'm sure that John and Terry uh, had or me- maybe still have just for possibility. They, so, they gave stuff to uh, um, employees like a clock. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. But you know what's great is like there's no, like it's not like unsolved mysteries is this big fad trendy thing right now so it's still probably fairly easy to re- uh, acquire the stuff without paying through the nose to get it. Yeah, uh, not necessarily. No, these are pretty rare items so for the most part it seems like when they show up it's it's kind of expensive. Mike, don't be a party pooper. Okay, all right. <laughs> Two Arnold's disagreeing like cavemen. <laughs> but yeah, I love that case. Uh, I wish I could talk a little bit more about it, but I really do got to get going. Uh, I have a gig that I got to run and go and do now uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, I, think, I think I think we, you know, talked our people's ears off enough about it anyway. But, I mean, it's uh, clocking it's in here at about an hour and 30, about typical length yeah. here, so, you know. So, uh, yeah, so that's the show. That's this week's show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, for more Mike and Josh, uh, more free entertainment, if uh, you can't get enough of this, uh, you can subscribe to Mike's... I almost called you Michael. That's weird. You can subscribe to uh, Michael's channel by uh, going to <laughs> youtube.com slash OCP Communications. He does a lot of really cool uh, movie reviews and... Uh, you know, yeah, gets very finishing good. up the X-Men uh, series. Uh, review of Logan should be up later today. Um, and I will be doing Kong reviews after I'm done with X-Men. So That's if cool. you like big giant apes. And I already promoted my YouTube channel, so I'm not going to say it again. If you want to find it, you got to go and search back through the episode and find it. I'm going to make it hard for you. No one's going to actually do it. Um, but for... Uh, for me and Mike, that is the end of the show. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something because people just tell me things all throughout the week and I forget to mention it on here. Uh, if you have any grievances or complaints or anything, just, just <laughs> address it on the group. I don't know. Um, I'll put it in file 13. Anyway, uh, have a good or rest. Or write to P.O. Box 11449, <laughs> zip code uh, 9150, Burbank, California. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> All right, gang. I have had it mixed up there, but have a good rest of your night, and we will talk to you next week. See ya.